Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast podcast. We're coming to you after Brighton 2, Liverpool 2. I'm joined by a bunch of useless cunts. I have Jay Reid in Liverpool. I have, um, have Neil Patterson. You've made it back to the league all, Chief, have you? I certainly have not. I'm still here. That's why I was unsure. But hopefully tomorrow, for fuck's sake. Let's see. All right, okay. All right. If not tomorrow, I don't know what Johnny Henderson in Belfast never. is also doing, but we might have to go out and watch Ireland. Well, well, I'm I'm currently in Belfast, but I am going to Donegal, and I will be going to Donegal tomorrow. So there we go. All right. Well, we'll, 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 we'll get a lift with me if you want. If you want to go to God's country, back to <laughs> Donegal. Let's all go to Donegal. Let's all go to Donegal. Well, why, well, why not? Where else would you rather be? Well, I don't That's have. We, we we only have an hour, Johnny. All right. <laughs> Um, all right. Listen, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at we're going to take a look at Brighton first, and then we'll just have a bit of a bit of an overview of where we are. Johnny Brighton. I think the lineup's kind of as you expect. It's limited by the fact that yeah, by the fact that the P the PGMOL exists. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, talking I'm, about this comes. <laughs> 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 there, there may be a theme developing here in this or in these early stages. So yeah, we go there. We know it's a difficult game. They've, they've beaten us in the last three meetings, I think, and uh, the the game before that was Deserby's first match was was three all at Anfield, um, and it's it's difficult as you expect it to be, and it's. I think for me, this is, I think there's probably two halves of two halves, if that makes sense. I think they start really well, a couple of really good set pieces, really well worked, orchestrated, causes problems. They have the better of it. They get the goal from a, a daft error. We can discuss if you want who's to blame, but like, what's the point really? It's another individual or semi-individual error that, that costs us a goal. And... Yeah. Then we get to grips with the game and we figure them out and we get our two goals. Great. And then the second half, we're cool. We're out. We're absolutely dominant. We look like we're going to go on to win the game. And Gravenberg has a great chance to make it 3-1, which would probably end it. And then Deserby makes some changes and then they figure us out and they put us under pressure and they end up getting their equaliser and could should probably go on and win it with the Pedro chance. But I think was interesting was the respect both managers had for each other after the game. And I think there was a a statement about, you know, the City Arsenal game on Sunday and the two managers kind of, you know, planning for each other's tactics and that why it was so so tactical and um tentative and it was like a chess match. Actually what we saw here was the same thing but in a different version. Two managers figuring each other out m- multiple times within the game, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah. Do you need me to add anything? You sort of summarised how the game... Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, just tell me how that happened. Tell me how it happened, though. Jesus, that's a challenge. No, no, it's, a, it's absolutely fair. It, it was, a, first and foremost, I think it was a very good game, you know, for a neutral a classic cliche like for the neutrals you would have enjoyed that game it was you know defenses were the the attacks were on top you know defenses were most certainly not on top and both teams were very much a reflection of their manager um and there was a lot of yeah there was a lot of moments i think as a like obviously from our end there's there's supporting liverpool in the game that was it was it was it was a stressful watch at times because it, the the pendulum swung a lot during the game, but that was to be expected with two really good, well coached teams. Um, for what it's worth, I thought a draw was a really fair result. You know, um, yeah, the Gravenberg chance was a big moment, and if he puts it in, he could have won it four or five. But by the same token. If you look at uh, the Jao Pedro miss, if you look at some of the chances they had, um, and the lack of control we had in stages in the game, you know, 
it easily could have went the other way. So I think a draw was a fair result. And I think that I don't think we played particularly well. I didn't feel that there was um, the same assuredness and sharpness about us that we had at, at Spurs. Um, and without making your head too big, Dave, with this, you know, I think we really missed Curtis Jones. You know, he's the, the back end of last season. I know there was a really good little sort of segment um, by The Athletic, or it was a, it was a video channel um, affiliated with The Athletic that done a piece on Curtis Jones's impact on Liverpool back end of last season and this season. But I think it was a really good game to demonstrate that. I think Harvey Elliott struggles to impose himself and have the same... Um, he's, he's a different type of player, but Jones brings the, the ball retention. He's matured a lot. We, we didn't have the same... Um, control of the game in the midfield, they really come at us. You know, they 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 get their goal. We're sloppy. Van Dijk. I I don't really blame McAllister. You could say he could have been on his toes more, but Van Dijk gives them a ball when it was obvious that they were ready to punch. It was just silly from Van Dijk. They punish us, but as you say, we get. Yeah, and Johnny, I don't even think like I don't even think it's the maddest thing in the world to give McAllister the pass there. But if he's going to do that, it needs to be fizzed into him. It's, of course it does. The yeah, pass yeah. is the pass is too slow, and it that it's it's the pace of the pass actually allows the press to happen. Yeah, and the pace eyes. of the pass, and I think too, the pace of the pass makes you think as a receiving player that all's cool. Do you know what I mean? Because when 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 you're confined and you know that there's people on you, you do tend to put a bit more pace on it because you know it needs to be fizzed in and one touch on that. And yeah, I think the pass is it's not great from Virgil, and um, they get the goal. But as you say, we figure them out. You know, we put our, we get our attacking game together. I thought we were really poor, actually, a lot of the first half. Then we get our shit together. Um, we score a lovely goal with Salah. Um, we get the penalty. I think second half is really, you know, as you say, the start of the second half, we're, we're, we're on it. We seem to have got a, a degree of control. It culminates in a couple of breaks where you think, Here's, there's a couple of chances where we just don't play the right ball, then we finally do. So balls like plays it across. Gravenberch, he's, he's unlucky. I mean, he's not on the pitch long either. You know, I think if he'd have been a bit more warmed up maybe, but he, he puts it off the bar. And then, you know, the goal they get is just really disappointing. Um, the goal they get, it just feels like Robertson sort of dangles his leg and he's doubting himself and we just don't seem set up and it's soft. And... Yeah, it's just, for me, it was just one of those games where you could say two points dropped, you could say a point gained, but we, yeah, we I think we just, we missed an element of control in the midfield, and, and ultimately it done for us, but, but it was a fair result, and two, two good teams are going to finish, you know, right, I'm going to say right up there, you know, Brighton certainly, top six, six or seven, I think we'll be right up there as well. Yeah. And Jay, you know, Johnny Johnny Dawes touched on the point there where the midfield does look to to be a bit of an issue and looks an area that, that Brighton exposed. And I think you called for it at half time. You called Elliot for grabbing Burt, maybe go to a more conventional four three three, see if we can get some some bodies in the middle of the park to make that more difficult for them. And you know, I think you had a couple of points to make on the midfield. Um so yeah. Take it away. Yeah, first of all, I think it, it's probably a, not an unknown fact. Now, Elias, if he's playing in a free, is kind of an empty share for me. I thought when the line had come up, he might have went for a more conventional 4-4-2 with Elias on the right side of midfield. Diaz wide left, and then Zubozlai and McAllister in the middle as a double pivot, which we've seen often in games when Elias come on the pitch. Um, you think... Wolves away, for example, as a classic example, he's, he's held the position wide and allows Salah to go up top with Nunes um, and sort of like, not, not necessarily a front two as, as a, an old school 4-4-2, but Salah sort of buzzing round in the wide to inside forward role uh, and Nunes doing what he does. Um, but at times, it basically felt as though McAllister was on his own on, on the weekend in midfield and We've we speculated over the summer we we missed out on what we would probably call a conventional 
defensive midfielder. Um, we brought Endo in, but I think it's pretty clear to see he's not to the standard of a starting eleven um, shirt in our squad. You know, he's a he's a squad player um, and can do a role. I think we seen last week in the in the Europa League, he played forty five minutes, and I thought that was his best forty five minutes in a Liverpool shirt. To be fair, I don't know why he got took off. If the idea was the same for Sunday, then we didn't see him on Sunday. It was kind of a weird decision, but you know, Klopp makes these calls, and we just have to go by them. Um, but as we've seen in literally the last, and sorry, just sorry, 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 just on Endo, right? I think there is a perception that we've missed the mark on this one just because of the game time he's getting the tetra but I, think, I don't know I, well, I the, just think he I, I think the point, the, point, the point I'm going to make here Jay is, is that we generally sign two types of players we sign the Mo Salas and the, the Sadio Manes who just rock in slot straight into the first team and bang away you go happy days or you sign the Andy Robertsons and the Fabinho's that take an extended amount of time to get the grips of what the actual you know, demands are, and maybe Endo falls into that second category, and that's why he's getting 45 minutes here and, and, and bits and pieces there. I'm going to put him in the third category, which, you know, might even be the fourth or fifth. You know, the odd player like the Ragnar Clavans that we signed, you know, the, the latter end of the careers, but can come in and fill a role within the squad and actually Fair. be useful from time to time. So I think that's where Endo is for me. And given the the competitions you've got this year, you know, our bread and butter is the league. The Europa League, you know, is the secondary competition, but the group stage we should be waltzing through, which we're, you know, on early evidence are, is that we are. Um, and, you know, then the domestic cups, that's where you're going to see Endo and it allows you then, you know, for rest and rotation of your star players in them competitions to be fresh for the league. But I think it was clear for all to see at the weekend that, as good as a player as McAllister is, he's not a conventional number six or defensive midfielder, however people want to label it. Um, you know, we've been linked with the Brazilian lad, Andre, at Fluminense, and reports this week emanating from Tim Vickery saying it's very likely probably that he ends up in a Liverpool share come January, given we expressed interest in the summer and we put in a decent bid and they basically said to us, come back with more cash or come back in January because they fought the other shot at the Copa Libertadores and true to form, you know, they're in the final against Boca Juniors in November. And should they win that, they go to the Club World Cup. They've never actually won the Copa Libertadores. So, you know, it's a landmark moment for them as a team and to South American um, clubs, especially getting to the Club World Cup and winning that, it means a hell of a lot more to them. Than we've seen the European Cup, European teams win. I know we won it, and it was sort of like you know a small celebration, but it's not you know with all due respect on the level of the Champions League or the Premier League. So if this fella is to come in, um, I'll confess I don't know too much about him. You know, your usual YouTube reels are out there if you want to go and have a look. But he looks like a destructive defensive midfield that you can get about the pitch, break up play. And just do all the dirty hard yards, and you know he, he can probably play a bit. But we've got players in our midfield now, in the likes of Sabos, like McAllister, Jones, Gravenberg on early signs that you know they did the footballers. We just need the lad who's going to go and win the football back for them to play. And based on what I've seen at the weekend, I would say there could be options this season for us to play a diamond formation where. If we were to get, for example, this lad in from Brazil, Andre, he would be your six, which would then release, you know, your McAllisters to play further forward. And people then think, well, you know, where does Jones, where does Sabozlai, where does Gravenberg all fit in? Well, I think, you know, the likes of Sabozlai especially could play your number 10. And then you can have your two number flanking eight, you know, in McAllister, Jones and Sabozlai. And that allows you, you know, three quality players for two roles of a number eight. So Sabozlai is a number 10. Yes, you're then leaving the question mark over Luis Diaz as a wide left player. But, you know, it's an option of a different formation that we can use. We can make a change within the game. Might only require one substitute and we can completely flip our formation, which is what we've often seen with Liverpool this season. We've we've gone into games, found that the first half wasn't working. 
made a change at halftime, whether it be personnel or whether it be tactical formation. And we've often went on and resulted in a win in the second half. So I think what we're looking at this season is the evolution of Liverpool tactically, that we can change so much within games. We're not stuck to the rigid 4-4-3 anymore. We can alter the way we play. And we've got these tools within our squad now with multifunctional players that can clearly play in the multitude of roles and show that we can we can change within games and adapt and it's a positive sign because we've we kind of got used to what we've seen and if this is clock 2.0 then yes sign me up for it because I'm all here yeah Tiff like I know a, a lot of clock 2.0 or Liverpool 2.0 has been talked about I kind of view this as Liverpool 3.0 because I think there's a very clear line to be drawn between Klopp's initial counter-attack inside to the side that wins the league that's controlled and, and the side that nearly goes and wins the quadruple that is, you know, a patient, robust and, you know, methodical team that can still do the, can still do the, you know, the I will murder you on the counter-attack, but there's far more to their game than that. They've evolved to a really mature and sophisticated outfit. Um, I think what, so that's the first point I make that, that you can you can talk on it. And the second point is I thought it was really interesting. I think Trent continues to to come in f- for criticism um, for whatever reason. Um, I get that maybe he's not the most robust in the tackle, but I thought in that more advanced role, being able to step on the Matoma, I thought he was absolutely superb. And the way he dictated the game from that position, I think was a key reason why we were able to get back into it. Um, especially in the second half. And I think our control is lost a little bit in two ways when he goes off. It's having that awareness option and means of passing. But also, ironically, I feel like Klopp brings Gomez on to try and secure up that right-hand side. But actually, I feel it does the opposite. Yeah, well, there's no doubt that um, Matoma seems to get a lot more joy down that side once uh, once Trent goes off and they they certainly managed to to flip the game sort of towards the end and, and kind of put us on the back foot and it does coincide with with Trent going off um Trent's just a, 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 a an easy target he's a punch bag he's, he's been thrown up there now and lazy pundits just sort of pick on him and and even our fans sort of um, like to like to sort of jump on him from time to time as well. Ultimately, he sort of moved around all over the place, really, isn't he? And he's asked to do a lot of a lot of unorthodox stuff. And he's gone away now with with England, and Southgate's probably going to play him as a as a as a bona fide midfielder. And um, and you know, there's he's playing the hybrid role in inverted commas for us, which is. You know, to all intents and purposes, a, a, a position that's sort of been invented in the last 18 months, maybe at most. So um, he's got a bit of a rough deal, basically. I mean, ultimately, it's a bit more, you know, not necessarily difficult for him, but it, it, it's also not the, he's not getting to sort of swing in those spectacular balls from the right hand side and stuff either, because his positioning is, is very different now. But, um, he controls the game. If you can get him on the ball, he, he can dictate the pace of the game. Um, and I thought he played well, um, if if unspectacularly, but certainly certainly well. And, and we definitely noticed when when he did uh, go off. So I think it handed the impetus to them a little bit down that side. Um, and sort of we saw that in, in terms of the number of attacks and, and sort of chances created down that side after he went off. Um, but it was a, it was kind of a funny game, you know. We started terribly. I mean, we can we sort of dress it up a bit because we ended up coming out at half time two one up. But uh, I don't know how, because we were woeful for the first half an hour. Um, we managed to turn it round. We get uh, lucky with the gift of the penalty. It was a clear penalty, and and obviously Gross should walk. But um, it's sort of the nature of of, of how we played in that first half that. I wasn't screaming for the red card. I was just, oh, fuck, we've got a penalty. We're actually going to go into 2-1 up here. Um, second half, we were much better. And if, if Gravenberg scores, you know, it's it's a different game. I think we probably run out four, maybe even five one winners. 
Um, I think Brighton's heads go down after after their recent run of form and the the the, the fixture pile up there, um, experiencing really for the first time in their in their careers at, at that club. Um, but we didn't. We don't score then, and um, you know, on the balance of the whole game, a draw is probably fair in the end. But I mean, it's probably goals two goals conceded by by each team that they'll be kicking themselves over ultimately. Um, it's a bit of a weird one in that it's sort of. Ours was a bit of a game of chess as well, but um, just with with sort of one or two kamikaze moments thrown in there, uh, because neither side wants to wants to wants to really come out and and leave any space in behind to be to be counterattacked on, and that's quite quite evident. Um, but and ultimately, far- Chief, it's like it's a it's a point gained on that fixture last year. I think totally. that's the way I would like to look at it. Yeah, and that's the way I did look at it. Sort of as, as soon as I mean, you're going away to Brighton. And there's a mad stat. We haven't beaten them in what, I don't know, some mad number of fixtures. Um, and they've they'd won the last four against us or something stupid. I think um, the last three, but I, I and I don't think they've lost at home since April or something like that. Yeah, and they have got a it is a large number of fixtures now, head to heads that we have not won against them. So disappointing to kind of throw away the lead and and you know not take the chance to to extend it but to come out of there with a point um it's going to be a good point at the end of the season um and i'm not not too dissatisfied and it's really the next run of fixtures which i'm sure we're going to come on to where you know we can really sort of lay a marker down um because again as we're going to come on to it's another tough side we've got away from home out of the way yeah so johnny let's just Let's just take a look at this in, in the cold light of day, right? Without any sort of confirmation bias or whatever, right? Okay. Um, these are the numbers. These are the, the state of play. Um, we've played five of our eight games away from home. Okay. Of those five, it's Brighton, as we've discussed. Chelsea, who seem to be getting their stuff together. And this Stamford Bridge, no matter what you say. Yes, it maybe doesn't look like a great point now, but it might look like a much better point come the end of the season. Um, Newcastle away, Spurs away, and we know that that's probably not a game that we should have lost. And Wolves away, who have just beaten City. And our three home games are against, you know, Villa West Ham, and then the other one's Bournemouth. But that is currently, you know, five of the top eight, and we're one of the top eight. So that's 75% of the current top eight that we've played, with three of them being away from home. Now, compare that to the likes of, you know, Arsenal and and uh, Spurs. You know, Arsenal, five of their games have been at home. Um, Spurs have played all of the cannon fodder. Is there, is there cause for us to be more optimistic now, given that, than maybe we were coming into the season? Yes, I think there is. Um, and, and for all the reasons you've just stated, that it's it's been a, you know, you look at the, the opposition, that's a good start. You know, by any objective metric, or you look back at, you, you look at everybody's, you know, first eight games, it, it is a reason for optimism. I, I think a more pointed reason for optimism is the game at the, you know, the game between Arsenal and City. Because let's be honest, uh, I, I think we'd all be in agreement that they're the two teams that you sort of look at going. Basically, everybody else, we'd be fairly confident, wouldn't we, that we'd, we'd finish above them over the course of thirty-eight games. You know, they're the they're the two teams. Arsenal, because obviously last season, you know, they, they they pushed City for about 30 games. And obviously we, we know all about City. So watching those two teams, and I know it's a bit of, uh, this is again a bit of a cliche, but there wasn't a lot to fear in that game. I just thought we saw two teams at City or City are finding themselves a wee bit. They've had a lot of personnel changes. Guardiola will evolve as the season goes on. He always does. He tweaks things. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out things. You know, Alvarez stepping in the De Bruyne shoes. They don't have Mares anymore. They've got Doku. They've got Nunes now in midfield as opposed to, 
the, the Gundagon. So they don't, you know, there's a there's a transition there. Arsenal haven't really clicked this season, and you, and you're quite right. I mean, Arsenal, I think they've huffed and puffed a lot too. I mean, that was a big win for them. You know, they they've ground out a couple of wins on the road, but but equally, there's been a lot of games where they've been they've been unconvincing. And and they don't seem to have gelled in an attack. So, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to be a little bit optimistic about it. You've got to be a little bit optimistic in that we've played some tough games. Um, I think the next month's really, really critical for us because there's a lot of games now where you look at it on paper, Forest home, Everton at home. Um, you know, they look like really winnable fixtures. Obviously, with that Titanic 12.30 away kickoff at City, which is... Really fucking annoying that that game's at twelve thirty away kickoff. But yeah, there's a chance to really get momentum now if we can if we if we can dig in. But you're right. I mean, there's no point. I've always said I don't think we can win the league this season. I still think we're a wee bit short of what to me feels and smells like looks like a Liverpool title winning team. But at the same time, it's a great start um, with tough fixtures. And every reason, yeah, every reason for optimism, especially as we think we're going to be getting a really um, important signing and into our midfield in January by the signs of things coming out of Brazil. Can I just yeah, take you up on one thing there, Johnny? I, What's that? Unless you know something I don't, I don't think we play City at half 12, we play Everton at half 12. No, we, we the away game with City's been moved to a 12 30 now. After when the was that announced? Today. Right, okay. Um, so there's all sorts of, yeah, it's... So yet I, another I international was, break and yet another oh, 12 sorry, us, sorry, just us away from home at half 12. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, against City, by the way. This is in the November international break. So apparently it was meant to be Brentford Arsenal. Um, there, there was something around the, but but anyway, what what what's manifested today is that it's going to be also away to City, which, considering the South American contingent, I would say Klopp will not be pleased at, and it just feels like a real, <laughs> it just feels like all three international breaks we've had fairly tricky away games, you know. Uh, yeah. So Jay, well, let, let's just yeah. move this along, Jay. Um, I, I think. I think. The next four games represent an opportunity. Now, last season, we sat here, we talked, World Cup, blah, 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 during during the Christmas break. So what we really need is a good start. And we had anything but a good start. We have had, you know, all things considered, the teams we've played, the number of away games, the issues we've had with red cards, suspensions, um, and the fact that this is an evolving side, this is probably more than anybody could hope for at the start of the season, and it should be more given the, you know, the Spurs debacle. But we have now, I think, is an Everton home, Forest at home, um, Luton away, Luton away, and Brentford, and Brentford away, who are and Brentford are in all shapes of bother at the moment. You know, you Brentford at home, three of them are home. Is it Brentford at home? Okay, of course it is because we've already played five yeah, away. Yeah, three of them are at home. You know, you've yeah. you expect twelve points from there, and I would be surprised if we get twelve points from that if we're not top of the league. Yeah, I would be very disappointed if we don't get twelve. Um, no, I think we I, th- I think we get twelve, but you would would you expect that we are top of the league if we get twelve points from there? If we are we're, oh, sorry. We on 16, um, we're, we're seventeen points. Um, let me just double check this. Uh, so yeah, you to fill fill some time here while I get the league up. There we go, got it. Uh, yeah, seventeen points of what we've been on twenty nine. Twenty nine uh, from thirty six. Yeah, so you you're anticipating those teams ahead of us, Spurs, Arsenal, and City, to at least either lose a game or drop points in two games for us to be top of the league. So I would say no, we won't be top. Okay, but I would say. We could be at least second or third. You know, we 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 we'll climb above someone. Um, but Jordan, at Jordan least one, if not two, if not all of those teams will drop points over the next four games, especially given their fixtures versus ours. Of of course, yeah. You know, you you look at a quick scan of the fixtures. You know, Arsenal have got to go to Chelsea, um, Brighton, 
play in Man City, you know, there's, there's potential there for, for a slip-up. Um, Spurs have got to go to the likes of Crystal Palace, which could, you know, on its day potentially present itself as a, as a tricky fixture. City have also got to go to Manchester United. Um, Arsenal have got to go to Newcastle. So, yes, there is a potential between now and then where teams are going to drop points, but I just don't think we'll be top of the league. But I think the gap as it stands now is three points between us and top of the league. I think it'll be more nearer to, you know, a one-point gap between where we are and the top of the league position, whoever may hold that at that time. And look, I think I get that there are probably defensive issues that people talk about, Jay, but I think if you look across our our key competitors there, we've talked City and Arsenal probably have their their issues. Spurs, we know, have issues. If you're looking down towards that and be Newcastle again, they're not at the finished article by any stretch of the imagination. And yes, Johnny makes the point that we might not look like a title win inside, but a title win inside is only relative to the rest of the teams in the league. And maybe this isn't the sort of City team that we've seen before. There might be a Champions League win hangover. We've, Johnny mentioned well, the players that have gone that, out right. the guys that have come in. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that a strong City squad-wise. And I think we can get better across the season. So, eight games in, like, you'd be a fool to say, you know, you you're nailed on for the title. You you're not out of a title race unless you know you're Luton or Sheffield United or maybe Everton. Um, but like or, or, see, or Man or Man United, they're just not very good according to Dave. Um, which is very yeah, true. they're just not very good. Um, but <laughs> like you know, that's it. But teams like I mean, Arsenal and Spurs are clearly City, in terms of the race. City were always going to drop off a little bit for me this season. Oh. I, I don't think it's it's beyond the realms of possibility, and I think we, if I'm taking the leaf out of uh, sorry Arsenal's book last season with the Europa League, that they, they romped into a big lead by Christmas because they were allowed to play a rotated team in the Europa League. Um, you know, City and Arsenal this season have got to focus on the Champions League. Spurs for me will not last the pace. We can potentially get to Christmas time. Maybe with our noses in front, and what we've got, okay, we're changing in personnel, but we've got a manager, we've got players in this team, we've been there, done it, and won it. So going into the second half of the season, we won't do what Arsenal did just last season in terms of capitulate when the pressure's on. I think you know we can stand the test of time if we get ourselves in that dogfight, and that's all we can do is put our hat in the ring come Christmas time. And keep our hat in the ring come March, April time when you know the going gets tough. And I think we've got the players and the quality and the mentality to stay within that fight. Yeah, Chief, I think what we've seen, and, and again, I think last Sunday kind of emphasises the point that we've seen now a situation where there are more teams that can take points off each other. You know, we went... 38 games and and I think was it 110 points from 114 games now I know that was across two seasons but every time we showed up we were pretty much guaranteed a win and City have been like that too 100 points blah 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 I think we've it's already been shown that that maybe isn't the reality this season City has beaten Arsenal what 13 games consecutively and not only do Arsenal win, but City don't even look like winning the game. And, you know, Wolves are one of those bogey teams that City seem to struggle with. We know Arsenal have their issues. So, you know, I think it's fair to say is rather than having two almost near perfect football sides going head to head this year, we have multiple really excellent but still partially flawed teams fighting it out to see who ends up where after 38 games yeah i mean sorry my connection's not the best so 
you've sort of been choppy and I'm not sure if I'm coming through perfectly, but I'm just going to go for it here. Um, there are, it, it's, it's a much more competitive league and it's a more competitive league for, for a couple of reasons. One of them is that there are more good managers uh, at the top teams and um, more good players probably in the league than, than really at any, any time before. Um, but the other one is that City have fallen back into the pack a little bit. And, you know, I thought that was probably going to happen. And I mentioned it at the start and of the season and I've sort of, we've been in the WhatsApp group about it. And uh, there's still sort of the impression amongst some that City are in fact not human and uh, they will just win everything. And of course, you get a bit demoralised. You look at their fixtures and you think they seem to be playing sort of Bolton every week. And... Um, and uh, just three points is a formality. But the thing about them is they've always had a propensity to chuck in a Mickey against a team you, you never expected. What was a Palace for a couple of for a couple of seasons there back would have been a bogey team for them. Wolves were for for a little while while um, Jimenez and and Triori were were on form. Um, but they've they've long since gone. And really, Wolves this season, yeah, Pedro Neto's a good player, and it's it's a it's a tough trip to Molyneux but you know they really they're really not offering much in terms of goal scoring and um it's it's the big surprise for me was was the scoreline the 2-1 if you'd said to me City had lost that game 1-0 I, I could have believed it a bit more but having gotten it back to 1-1 and then conceding a second against this Wolves side is well it's almost like us going there last season and they hadn't scored in five games and then they bagged three in the first half or whatever it was um it was it was a surprise put it like that I think City, have, they're not superhuman. They have lost good players, very good players, integral players, particularly to their triumph, especially in the quadruple, the, the, the almost quadruple season for us. I mean, you take Gundogan out of that side and, and Liverpool probably win the, the quadruple that, that season. And it's a very different story now. Um, but they were going to suffer for that. De Bruyne's obviously out for half the season. Um, they've lost that. Losing those couple of players, Haaland's lost a bit of potency. Grealish is struggling for fitness and form. He's not getting a game. Foden's gone from being sort of great, um, sort of you know Wayne Rooney esque potential to sort of he's still being a very good player, but certainly not having the potency that that he that he promised a couple of seasons back. Whether that's just through underuse or lack of confidence, because Guardiola has, has sort of very much put him in the second string of the city side and it's only because of the injuries that that he's sort of getting his start this season so plus the natural drop off after winning the big two the double you know the the league and the champions league winning the champions league for the first time ever you know a lot of them will have felt okay job done completed after last season we've won everything now so it's tough as we know uh, as Liverpool fans, to 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 get bang up for it when you when you've gone all the way the season before right to the end, um, so there was potentially always likely to be a bit, bit of a drop off physically and mentally, notwithstanding the the players that have left. Um, so that's made it much much more competitive and looking like a much more competitive side uh, league. Sorry, and um, you know, Liverpool are very handily placed. I mean, there is no doubt that we've got the best strike force in the league. I think nobody would argue with that. Um, you look at the options we've got up there, you look at the goals we've got in there, and nobody can match it. Not City, not Spurs, not Arsenal, not the three of them put together. I'd, I'd rather have our strikers, our strike force, than, than their three put together, probably. Um, you know, even even with Haaland in there, because as we saw at the weekend, if you can, if you can cut off the supply, he's not going to hurt you. So... You know, you, you add that in. Yeah, we've got the best goalkeeper in the league in there. Uh, we've got a, a, at least one of the best centre halves in the league, if not if not two, when Kanate's fit. Uh, we've got Trent, who's who's one of the best players in in the league and a generational talent. And then you've got a sort of a brand new midfield in there with with one or two sort of potential world beaters in there as well. Certainly in in the likes of Sabozlai, we've got a very good outfit and we're very handily placed. And to go back to your sort of original question that you opened up with, 12 points on the board from the next four. And, and I would fancy us to be first. Um, at the very worst, we're going to be, what, two points off the top after, what is it, 12 games, 13 games? So a third of the season. 
Um, so we're going to be in, in, in good shape, but we need to put the points on the board in the next four and really show that we, we are equipped to deal with the bottom 10 this season, home and away. Yeah, I think, Johnny, the bottom 10, it, it's been spoken a lot about the Anfield, on the Anfield rap, and they're not wrong. This was always Wenger's approach. Beat the bottom 10, home and away, and there's 60 points, right? And it used to be like, 80 odd points would win you the league. You're only looking for, you know, 25, 30 points from the other, what is it, 54 available. So, you know, that's something that I think we were very poor at last season. I think it's been well documented how we performed against against the bottom 10, especially away from home. And that doesn't seem to be an issue this season. And there's probably a number of reasons behind that, but I think it's a really nice time to, to look at, you know, what sort of team we are, where we are, but also some of the performances. So I know it's only eight games in, but I think that's a bigger portion of the season than people think it is. It's like, yeah, two, it's 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 a fifth of the season gone. So like, who is your standout player and why? Oh, um, well, I think Sabazla has been for me pretty transformational in how we play and when we talk about there, I, I do have a real feeling of I think in the really big games against the, the top teams I still have this worry about the, you know that number six and that element of control with the midfield but I think one of the feelings we had certainly last season is you know just running over the top of teams that we know are worse than us and one of the things that you just get the vibe with this season is the legs are back and the midfield, the energy's there, and we've got so do you many. Mean just, do you mean just bullying them? Yeah, yeah, with the front. F- yeah, so it, bullying them, overrunning them, and then just having the fire firepower and options off the bench because, you know, if we go with, you know, Diaz, Gapko, Salah, you know, Salah's going to play every week. And then if you go with Diaz and Gapko, you've got you've got Darwin and Jota, or you've got you've got Diaz and Gapko coming off. I mean, you always feel the firepowers there now. But for me, the transformation. Yeah, Johnny, and that's kind of sorry, Johnny. That's kind of an issue that we had on on, on Saturday that we we had the three that we started with, and that was it. Oh, of course, it was a massive factor in the game because games now are lasting. You know, generally, if you add on the first half and second half stoppage time and all the the way they're doing things now. You know, games are generally lasting at least 100 minutes, you know, so and I think Klopp's figured that out, you know, where he's, he, he knows that this it's really pivotal. You get the right two forwards, you make the right changes on the, you know, the 65, 70 minute mark, you, you know, world class players fresh off the bench. It's it, You know, we've seen it in games this season where it's, where it's really turned the tide. You know, you've seen it at, at Newcastle, you've seen it. You know, certainly the game at, at, at Wolves with the changes we made. Um, but, but if you're asking about the standout, for me, uh, it's Sabozlai all day long. Um, I, I think Mo's become a different type of player. You know, he's he's really taken on this mantle of creativity. But just for me, I mean, you don't want to disparage Jordan Anderson because, you know, the things he did, the captaincy, the, the trophies he won. But but obviously, the latter Jordan Henderson, the version of John, Jordan Henderson before he's left, uh, you know, in you know last season or whatever, versus what we have got now in that position is, uh, I mean, it's such an upgrade in terms of everything. You know, Sabozlai brings intensity, press and qualities, aggression, his range of passing, his his, his goal threat, just. Just everything about him. He, for me, he's been. It's not surprised me because I'd heard about him for a long time and I watched him in the Bundesliga and I thought he would take to the English game very well, but he's just handled it impressively and you can see the club already, you know, sees him as integral. You can see by the way he's been used in the Europa League that you know this is a guy the club wants on the pitch for ninety minutes in 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 the league. And for me, he's he's been the standout um, performer. Um, just everything about him, he just uses his quality, and I think he's he's elevated our midfield, and he's elevated everything around him. Like good players make 
everyone around them better. And yeah, for me, he's comfortably. I I would put his start in a Liverpool shirt at nine, nine and a half out of ten. I think he's been pretty flawless. Yeah, and Johnny, you know, I think he scored two long range strikes. I think another goal, Bournemouth maybe comes from a, a shot from outside of the box. That's but Gerard has one yeah. with his weaker, weaker foot. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, he, and he's he's won two penalties as well. Is is pressing his drive from midfield, and I know people have made the comparisons with Gerard, but it it. I, I, I don't even feel comfortable saying it, but all, there are so many like stylistical similarities there. Yeah, it's his versatility too, David. It's 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 been a long time since I've seen someone that he strikes a ball like Gerard. I mean, the goal against Leicester, and I know it was it was a Carabao, or whatever, but the, the the ferocity that he hits him out with. I mean, it's been a while since we've seen a Liverpool player hit that. But it is, also, you can see you can see Gerard wheeling away with his arms outstretched after striking that in that, can't you? <laughs> you really can. And and there's been games as well. And I know he played on the right side of a front three in the Bundesliga. Um but you can see the, there's games where he's ended up, you know, on that sort of position, like wide right and he just skips past players. He's got a real pace and dynamism in the, in the final third as well. And he does that stuff. He hits the long range shots. But he also, what I mean, what I love about him is, I think one of the things about Gerard was he was all action. And there's so many games too where he's run back and he's tracked the runner into the penalty area and he's slid in and he's, he's just done the dirty work and knocked the ball out for a throw. And he's just tracked his man. And he's just a real all rounder. I mean, I'm just totally enamoured with him. I, I just, I, I think he's, he's, he's fabulous. Like, he's absolutely fabulous. I'm just made up that we're going to get, you know, my, listen, three, four, five years, I think you're going to have Real Madrid's and teams like that. Or, you know, every top team in the world is going to be after him um, and trying to prize him away from us, and rightly so. Um, but for now, for the foreseeable, he's ours, and he's a fantastic capture. Um, and I think he's he's just elevated everything about our game. He makes everything better, and I really can't wait. The last thing I'll say on him is that axis down that right hand side. I think there's so much can come from that. Him, Trent, and Salah. I mean, that is a, absolutely the potential of those three to to just kill teams in that right hand side of the pitch. Is it's mouth watering? Really is. Yeah, Jay, uh, I'll give you your shout. And if, like, see, to be honest, I wouldn't mind you picking some, somebody different. But if you want to go to Bosnia again, I'm probably okay with that as well. It's it, it's hard to, uh, to to better what Johnny just said there, um, because he because he has been so good, um, uh, and I won't go into the, the 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 bucket of you know abuse that I could go into. Um, Based on a, on a former player who played there, but I've been impressed with Diaz as well. Um, you know, it was kind of understated I, how much we missed him last year, and it, it kind of got got banded about quite early. That you know, when Diaz went out against Arsenal, I think it was around about this time of the season, um, if I can remember rightly. And then obviously we started to struggle, and we all know what happened last season, but. A lot of the lazy punditry and journalism went on Liverpool missing Sadio Mane. Well, we weren't because he had been replaced by Luis Diaz in the January and Mane went up top. And yes, OK, we, we were having maybe issues in the in the forward role um, with, you know, Jota missing and Darwin not getting the start he should have. Um, and then we like we brought Gapo in and he sort of had a, you know, an OK sort of start. But Missing Luis Diaz for such a big chunk of the season was really understated, and he came back and he had moments. But I think this season, you know, with the preseason of his belts, we've we have seen, you know, the player that we we got when we first signed, the player that just fitted in um, seamlessly, and he, he's such a a good outlet on that left hand side of the field. I think you can give him the ball any time, he can hold it up, he can beat a man, he. Very rarely for me loses the ball easily. He, he's quite, he's quite good in possession, um, and he, he holds a natural whiff. So when we have you know a front three of whoever plays in the number nine, be it 
you know, Jota, Gapo, Darwin and Salah on the right-hand side, who does tend to drift in, we do need to hold that whiff on the left-hand side and and he does that so well. And it's kind of gone under the radar that he has had a good start to the season because, you know, a lot of the focus has been on the centre of midfield where, you know, we've, we've had the new players. But, yeah, for me, I think, you know, he is, he's doing well. Um, He's chipping in with goals and assists. We've seen a few goals where he's cut in, you know, in the in the you know the Alan Mane role where he's coming in from the the wide position and and slotting balls in from the centre of the field. So I'm quite impressed with what he's done, and it's probably gone under the radar how much of an effect he's having on our team at the moment. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and I think we're probably looking at him a whole lot differently if that goal is is. Um, given as it should have been against against Spurs and what that is for his confidence potentially is, is another another conversation. Chief, um, I don't know. There's a few more. Like I think I saw some statistics on on Van Dijk, and yeah, I know we like. If I'm being honest, I don't think he's the player that he was before the Pickford assault. Um, but. I think we're judging him against that bar as opposed to what the standard ability of a really world-class centre-half bar is, and he's still above that. Salah was mentioned. Like, honestly, I I just... I could watch him all day, and and the way that he creates chances and space for people is unbelievable. And and you've got other... You know, I'm not going to do the Curtis Jones thing because I feel like I'm going agenda-esque at the moment, but like, who stands out for you? Well, I mean, it's 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 difficult because there are a lot of players that are, you know, coming into their own and, and, and stepping up. I mean, Diaz was a great shout because I think Jay was absolutely spot on. I think we missed him massively last season and a lot of the talk, somewhat unfairly, I think, centred around when he comes back, will he give us what we need in terms of out- output, goals and assists and to be fair, in his in his opening half season, I thought he, he he chipped in well enough, and then he's out basically the whole of last season, and so he's come back, and obviously there's there was talk about that, and he's he's rattled the ball into the net a few times, and he's very much involved, and nail on the head with the goal against Tottenham. If that flies in and Liverpool win that game, then we're we're singing Luis Diaz's praises. Um, obviously Sabozlai of of the new signings is has been the one to really stand out and you know he's drawn comparisons with Gerard um and and you can you can understand why um which is massive massive praise for someone who's who's really just signed i mean nobody else has compared no, no liverpool fan has compared any player to stevie since since he left and why would they but this guy's come in and and you can see that that he has those kinds of attributes um you know, from from the leadership qualities to the um, to to the long range shots to the um, set piece delivery and and all the rest of it. Um, Allison's obviously been top notch. I mean, he, he has a bit of a clangor for their first um, at the weekend. There, I don't think he sets himself. Probably, I think he should probably be better set and he saves that shot or the shot doesn't. Do you know what, in. Chief? Chief, I think. You're absolutely bang on, and I, I, it, it went over my head. But again, last season he's unreal, and he's just carried that form into this season. I think, yeah, I think the criticism we got for that was a bit harsh because I think he's positioned himself for a to receive a pass as yeah. opposed to see a shot. And yeah, he, that's true. But he, he's, he's, he's maybe he's maybe just taking his eye off the ball for a second, um, because you can see as soon as Van Dyke hits that pass, it's getting cut out. Um, and I don't think he sets himself quite right. But uh, really, that's by the by. I mean, we're talking about Diaz and, and the Tottenham goal, but that wouldn't even be a question if, if Alisson hadn't pulled off three or four massive saves in that game, um, which other goalkeepers just wouldn't make and, and we kind of expect from him. So uh, it's one of them. Salah suffers a bit from that as well and that we he's so good and he's been so good for so long. We just take him for granted and we judge him by completely different standards. Um, it's almost See, like just a stat on Salah. I'd want to throw out there: it's um, most big chances created in the top seven leagues, and that will not include the assists for the disallowed Diaz goal. That's it. Uh, and what was it? It was going to be a 
a goal involvement in how many consecutive games? Well, it was if every it, it would be every game this season, if if yeah. that's given. So I'm going to count it as every game this season. But his evolution is look. This is going to sound ridiculous, and I don't mean to compare the two players, but it is Messi-esque where he has changed from just an out-and-out goal scorer to a guy that facilitates everybody else around him as well as sticking the ball in the net pretty fucking regularly too. Totally. It's like the next step in his career. It's like he's sort of gone, right, okay, I've done that bit now. I know I can do it. And, and perhaps I've lost maybe, you know, a tenth of a yard of my, of my pace. And uh, perhaps I'll just sort of reinvent myself as this uh, amazing number 10 um, and, 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 and creator. And, you know, um, there's a ball he plays. I can't remember what, what we we don't score from the chance, but it's an absolutely amazing ball. It's a threat. Is, is it the Diaz one? Is it the Diaz one against Spurs where he just doesn't quite get enough on the? Yeah, it is. It's that one. It's that one just before half time. It's from the other. Side. It's from the. It's from yeah. the left hand side of the pitch. It's from his wrong side, isn't it? And the ball is never on. It's just not on, but yet he still finds the gap absolutely perfectly. Perfect weight. Diaz should really score. Um, but it's just it's it's out of this world. It's 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 a class above. Um, so he's he stepped up again. Um, so it's 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 really difficult to pick up. You mentioned Curtis Jones again. He's been in class. Um, Ryan Grambrook coming in is is looked like he's he's going to slot in nicely. Um, so you know, there's there's reason to be cheerful all, all over the pitch, really. I mean, um, I think we've, we've sort of covered a multitude there, and I can see why why Jay went for for Diaz and and Johnny went for for Sabal's life. But there's there's players all over the pitch, and we haven't even mentioned the cabbage yet, who's who's uh, who's, who's had some <laughs> big moments, who's had some big moments so far, and, and looks set to have a, a stellar season. So um, yeah. Reasons to be cheerful. One, two, three. Yeah, Johnny, all of a sudden we have too many midfielders, it would seem, which is bizarre to even have that conversation. Um, and, <laughs> you know, potentially if we do sign this, and I'm, I've just decided he's like Gilberto Silva and Mascherano's love child. That's how good he is. I've just decided that right now. So, if we do, I'd take that, Dave. By the way, I'll take that. Combination. I think most, I think most teams probably would. Um, I'd sell, I'd sell for that, you know. Yeah, I, I, I'd be, I'd be happy enough. I'd be satisfied, right? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, let's say, give me two answers. If we don't bring that player in, where do we finish? And if we do bring that player in, where do we finish? Fuck, I hate these kind of questions. I know uh, that's why I did it. Oh God! Put me. On. I'm just going to be really boring and say if if we don't third, if we do second. Oh, if we don't third, oh boo, Jay. I know, boring. Jay, oh. Jay just has to say we we won the lot now. Um, quadruple, quadruple, Jay. Okay, Jay. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll say, bring it, bring him in. We win the league and a cup. If we don't bring him in, we'll win a cup. We'll probably finish second in the league. By... Second in the Europa League. Yeah, I'd, I'd take that. But I think we could allow the league to slip away by a few too many points if we didn't bring him in like someone who is a genuine defensive midfielder where you know you, you, you mentioned pre-pod about like Rodri's effect at City and just to have that shield and yes that lad can also play very well for very good at football Rodri and can come up with crucial moments and crucial goals but to have that lad in the middle of the park who can just dictate play and take the ball off people and you know, give it to lads who can also do a lot of stuff with it. Um, is very and underrated in the game. So I think if we did get Andre three thousand in or whatever he's called, like, <laughs> we could potentially win the league. 
Can, can let, I just let's say, just go there. Let's just do it. Can I just say though, Jay, it, it does. I mean, I think we all agreed pre-pod and we're chatting. It does highlight though that in the modern game where it's just so much fine margins, that Rodri type player is worth his weight in gold. They really are the, that player that can read the game screen, do the defensive stuff, and contribute to the team going forward. As we've seen, I mean, we've seen City lose three games in a week or so with, with, without well, Johnny, him. But the linchpin is Johnny, if you want to look at it this way, the success between City and Liverpool in that swing is basically Fabinho, or sorry, Fernandinho at his best when he tailed off. Fabinho at his best, and when he tailed off, Rodri mm-hmm. coming into City. So it's basically who has the who had the best six in the league. But it's it, it's taken it, it. The thing with them is though, it it takes them a while. It took Rodri two seasons to really get settled to really start making his mark. Yeah, exactly. Season, teams, we were, but while he was making his while he was getting settled, Fabinho was undisputably the best six in the league, and that's why. Totally, we, totally, we and, and, and that propelled us to the to the next level, and they dropped off. But um, the thing is, you know, with that, it's all very well sort of having that player. And, and Johnny's absolutely right; you need that player, and they're certainly in the squad. Um, but it's one of them. You, you you sort of have to be able to play without them as well, because they can get injured, they can get suspended, they can get burnt out, and you don't want to be. Sort of absolutely dependent on that. So, and chief, um, chief, wouldn't it be fair to say too? You can get away being without that player against the dross. You know, you can, you can yeah. just overpower teams and overrun them with your firepower. But it's in the real business end and the big, big games, isn't it? Where you really you miss that type of a player when you don't have them in the crunch. Oh no, absolutely. And it's it's the nice of, of the player that plays there. It's the the tactical yeah. files. Yeah. It's the Cutting things off at source, it's you know, it's it's winning the ball high up the pitch, not letting them get out. All those things that are, you yeah. know, make the difference there. So um, yeah, if we if we if we sign if we sign him, I think it'll just sort of crystallise our, our push towards the title, and we'll we'll be right up there. I think even if we don't sign him, we're we're going to be very much in the mix. I like uh, like the rest of you. I I don't think Arsenal are great shakes this season. I saw them. They, they had a, a very good start to last season. They rode the crest of the wave, as Jay said. They, they had a Europa League, so they were playing a second string every week, very much like we have this season. Um, while other sides up there were, were toiling away in, in the Champions League, sort of week in, week out. Um, we, we have that luxury this season. We're, we're, we're playing a very much a second string side, and, and we're still running out comfortable winners. We're top of our group. We're probably going to top the group at a canter and, and therefore miss out the, the extra round. Um, so we'll have a bit of freshness in there as well. So I think we'll still be very much in the mix. Um, I don't think Arsenal are too much to worry about. Obviously, it, it, it's going to be City. Um, we know they're going to be up there. Um, and if we can just, if we can bring in that number six and he is as good as, as, as this has been suggested, then it could really cement our, our push towards the title. Uh, I, I said it at the start of the season. I don't think it's going to be 95 points that you're going to need to win the title this season. I think it's going to be early 90s at at, at most, uh, because of the the strength of the competition and, and the other teams sort of well, City drop, dropping off a little bit, and, and other teams having the capability or the ability to take points off each other. So, yeah, I think we're we're very much going to be in there. And if we can add Andre as well, then it's you know the sky's the limit, really. Um, but ultimately, I'd, I'd settle for settle for. I'd be very happy with winning the league and and, and not winning any cups. Uh, you know, if it meant winning the league this season, um, and I think that's really what what we will be going for. Okay, that's a really really good answer at not actually answering the question of where what do you think we'll finish? I kind of forgot. <laughs> where, where do we, do we finish, finish if we don't think, sign him, and I where think, do we finish if we do? If we don't, if we don't. We might just get pipped in the second, maybe. But if we do sign him, I think we're we're we'll we'll go we'll go all the way. Chief Steve is such a generally cynical man. Your optimism around Liverpool is just well, it's again unbelievable it's, it's, joy. Of, it's, it's based on a few things. Now, as as you 
you know, talked about at the beginning with your sort of the teams we've played, the teams we have left to play, the fact that we're likely to get better. Um, but it's also rolled in with the fact that I expected City to drop off and I think they will. And I think now they've shown a little bit of weakness. There's a bit of blood in the water and other teams might have a go. And there's there's no saying Rodri's going to be fit for the entire season. He's already complained about being overplayed. Um, they're going to need him in the Champions League as well. There's no respite for them for them there. They're not going to be able to play second string. They've no replacement for him. You know, they've Calvin Phillips sitting there who ostensibly plays the same position, but Pep doesn't want anything to do with him. So they've got nothing in there to to, to sort of you know plug the gap if if he's if he does get an injury, if even if he even if he's out for a month. Yeah, he's a single point. He's a single point of failure for them, but the looks of things, isn't he? So. Yeah, I, I just feel you see how we've started. We've started better than than anyone, any of us really expected. And you know, you see the game against Tottenham. That obviously, you know, there was only one team. Had it been fairly done, there was only one team ever going to win that. Um, and I just, you know, would you fear City if you played them at the weekend? Would Would you expect a, a, a truncheon, or would you, would you reckon it's going to be pretty close, and either team could probably come out on top? And if you if you think the latter, then why can't we go all the way? Yeah, it's fair. All right, lads, thanks for joining me. Um, as useless as you are. Uh, <laughs> until next time, after the good old respite of an international break, up the chief is absolutely certain the Reds are winning the league. Reds. <laughs>